Well, I want to share with you an, an observation that I have, I have found fascinating. A while ago, I went to Costco. Yes, Costco. That place where we often walk out of there with more than we had intended to buy. You too? <laughs> so I went to Costco with my wife, Mary Elsie, and on this particular occasion, she went into the store by herself, and I remained in the car. <laughs> and it so happened that where we had found a parking spot happened to be right next to the corral of the shopping carts. So here I am, I am sitting in my car, and I have like a, a front row seat. And did you know that there are multiple ways of returning a shopping cart? I'm watching all this, and there was one guy who, you know, he, from about eight or ten feet away, he gave it the old, you know, heave hole hoping that his cart would land somewhere within the corrals of the, of the shopping carts. That is, if they, if they even return the cart at all, because some people, they would just leave their cart by, by the car. Right? Another person, however, with great intentionality, he would make sure that his cart fit snugly within the other carts making efficient use of space and making life easier for other customers and staff personnel. Another person, however, they, they turned their back before their cart had actually come to a complete rest, not realizing that the cart had begun to roll backwards and actually had rolled far enough back on into the parking lot. And then the next person that came along, they would, just, they would just ignore what was now that lone, lost, but in the way shopping cart in the parking lot. They were just only too concerned about returning their own shopping cart. But within a matter of time, there would be somebody that would come along and they wouldn't return just their shopping cart, but they would get that one lone, lost, one that was in the parking lot, and they would return it into its proper home back into the corral with the other shopping carts. So I'm watching all this, and I began to wonder, does how we return a shopping cart say something about our character? Does it say something about ourselves and something about our care and how, what might actually reveal about our character. We are in this, as you know, we are in this four-part series called Just Be, which is actually coinciding with Arlington Woods' strategic plan, which is also entitled about, about Just Be, Be in Prayer, Belong to Christ, be as Christ, which Don Miller talked about last week, talking about going beyond the walls. Today we're going to talk about become like Christ. Become like Jesus. Become like Jesus. 
If there's anything that is at the top of God's list, his priority for you and me, it is for you and I, for us to grow in character. It is for you and I to grow and develop, to reflect more and more the character of Christ. Become like Christ. Become like Jesus. Andy Stanley, he defines character this way. He says, character is the will to do what is right according to God, regardless of personal cost. Character is the will to do what is right as defined by God, regardless of personal cost. In other words, it's defined by the very nature of Jesus himself. And the Apostle Paul, he actually points to this in his letter to the Galatians, talking about the image of Christ that you and I are to be renewed in or that we are to be re-engraved in or recreated in. And he says this. He says this in Galatians 4.19. He says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until, what? Until Christ is formed in you. And Paul even says something similar to the church of Ephesus. He says this. He says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Yeah, mature. Until we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Paul is talking about forming Christ's character in us. Christ's characteristic traits in us. The Apostle Peter, however, instead of using the word character, he actually uses the word godliness. Saying that we can partake, you may, we can partake in the divine nature, which is Christ. Take a look at this. He says this in 2 Peter, which you heard read from us earlier, but it's worth reading again. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may, now get this, participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So both Paul and Peter are talking about growing Christ's character in us. There is this idea of us participating in the divine nature, that his divine power has given you everything that you need to live a godly life. Everything that you need for godly living, that through him we may participate in the divine nature. How many times have you heard somebody say, ah, people don't change. People don't really change. Ever heard that? Mike Babcock, the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets in the NHL, recently resigned or was forced to or was fired because of mistreatment or 
inappropriate dealings with some of his players. Things that had actually similarly come to light when he was coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Detroit Red Wings. Where people would recently say, see, Columbus, you shouldn't have hired him in the first place because of his track record. People don't, people don't change. Well, verse 3 here would radically challenge that. With God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And then in verse 4, it says regarding the promises of the gospel, that through them you may participate in the divine nature. I was thinking about little baby Ethan McEwen. I don't see him here today. Little baby. Have you, have you met little baby, cute little Ethan McEwen, who was born just about a month ago? You think, you think about conception or you think about when you were conceived. The very DNA of your ancestors is implanted in you. The very genetic material is implanted in you. And when you live out your life, that DNA essentially is playing itself out in the rest of your life, making you the person that you are. But when you come to faith in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit in your life, He's not, some, he's not some force within you. That is the third person of the Trinity. That is God coming into you. Think about that. And when you believe and you receive the Holy Spirit, that DNA is implanted in you. And your life is an outworking of that making you the person that you will become. So verse 3 is a very hopeful verse. His divine power has given you everything that you need to live a godly life. The challenging part of that verse, of course, is that we are, there, there are no excuses. Peter is saying, don't, don't tell me that you don't have everything you need to live as you should, because you absolutely do. You've got the divine nature. If you are a Christian who believes and has the Holy Spirit within you, you are a participant, a participant in the divine nature. So there is no wound so deep that you can't be healed. There is no brokenness that is so broken that, you can't, that it can't be repaired. There is no habit that has such a hold on you that you can't be freed from. God's power his divine nature that you are a participant in is everything that you need to live a godly life. To be a person of godliness. 
or what Paul and Peter would say to be a person of Christ's character. Peter then he goes on to say in this passage in 2 Peter chapter 1, I'd encourage you to even read it again when you get home. It's a, it's a powerful passage. He goes on to say what some of these character traits of Jesus are. And he says this, he says this in verse 5 to 7, 2 Peter 1, he says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection or what is brotherly and sisterly kindness and to mutual affection, love. Scripture, it also uses other interchangeable terms to these traits. I mean, it, it may speak of in other places. It may speak about, you know, the fruit of the Spirit or righteousness or, or holiness. So it uses other interchangeable terms. But whether we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit, righteousness, holiness, godliness, or character, they're all referring to the same thing. And Peter is saying here, you know what? It's, it's not enough to believe. It's not enough. He's saying to you and me, he says, you have to build one aspect of Christian character on top of another. So to faith, add goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, patience, godliness, mutual affection, love. We have to build one aspect of Christian care on top of one another. The phrase that kind of jumped out at me when I first had read this, it says, make every effort. Make every effort. All of these take thought. All of these require effort. They don't just happen. You have to want, you have to, want to. You have to choose to. But when you do, and you pray for God's grace, promises, and help, you will, become, you will be becoming, as it says here in Philippians 2.5, to think and act like Jesus. To think and act like Jesus. Make every effort. When it comes to building character, God has to be at work in me, and I have to be working at it. It's both ends. And we know this to be true of our experiences and other aspects of our life, don't we? I mean, you just think about it, you know? You, if you don't intentionally attend to your garden, it will soon be overgrown with what? Yeah, weeds. If you don't intentionally intend, attend to your marriage, it will soon start to break down. If you don't intentionally attend to raising your children, your kids, they will not become contributing members to our society. So if you don't intentionally attend to your character, guess what? It, it will worsen. 
the Apostle Paul, he makes, he makes use of an of a interesting word in this passage. When it's translated, it's the word add, he says. Add to your faith, meaning here to, to invest. You and I, we are to invest in our faith by growing in godly character. I mean, think about this. If you invest in the stock market or you invest in mutual funds or maybe some, some property or you, some piece of real estate, as an investor, you aren't likely just contributing. It's not just a little bit here and a little bit there. As an investor, you are likely to be putting up a lot of capital. And Peter is saying, therefore, here, he says, you know what? You need to make your, your spiritual growth a major priority in your life. But it also means that there's a price. There is a price to pay as an investor. They take a risk, but they think that the risk is worth the return. But they pay a price. So spiritually speaking, that means that you and I, we are to engage in spiritual practices. And as you know, Arlington Woods has this strategic plan moving forward to help address some issues within the life of the church that you've heard about in the past couple weeks, right? And one of those that we're talking about today is one of those is in the area of spiritual growth. Become like Christ. Becoming like Jesus. And here, here's a list. Here's a list of, of some of the Initiatives that are identified as targets for to engage in for you and I to actually be participants in That lend to our growing in Christ. Here's here's just let me just mention a, a few of these being part of a small group to help what, Grow deeper in our walk with the Lord Taking a class that's, that's offered in what's referred to as base two, which is really a study about spiritual disciplines Involvement with practices that develop holy habits. Engaging with spaces that foster spiritual encounters with the Holy Spirit through the likes of communion and worship. So there are practices that we can participate in that lend themselves to our development of, of Christ-like character. Dallas Willard. I don't know if you've heard of that name, Dallas Willard. He's... He's gone on to glory now. But he was, he's been one of the, the leaders in spiritual formation. And he has said that we often cultivate an understanding of the devotional life that, that leaves out life. We have, we have a devotional life, but we don't have a life of devotion. We have, a, we have a, a prayer life, sometimes not much of one, but what we need is a, a, praying, a praying life. That is where real spiritual growth can happen because it puts us with, in touch with reality. And as Jesus himself says in John 8, 31, if you continue in my word, he says, you are truly my what? You are truly my disciples. Meaning that you are putting it into practice. 
and the initiatives within our, you know, Arlington Woods strategic plan that we've been talking about are to help us to learn to put into practice the very things that Jesus has been teaching us. Which, of course, you know, entail the whole of life. It's, it's not just Sunday morning. It's just not as, I mean, as, as great as that is, coming together on Sunday morning to gather together, you know, to encourage one another, to, to teach one another, to help one another. But to add to your faith or to invest in your faith as Peter talks about here. We have to pay a price to spend time with God. It's paying a price. You, you, have to, you have to win the daily battle to spend time with him so that you and I, we are growing in godly character to be shaped by him. You and I, we, we need to interact with him. We need to to read his word and, and hear from him. We need to abide in him and confess and examine ourselves and thank God and lay our requests before him where you and I are on our knees before him, at least metaphorically. Maybe it's not literally, but at least metaphorically. We have to be speaking to him. We have to be, we have to be listening for him. You have to win the daily battle of taking the time to spend time with him in order for us to be shaped by his, with his character, with you ultimately growing in Christ-like character. I'll end with this. Some time ago, I went to this gathering, if you will, about a month ago, initiated by Isaac Gimba. Some of you might remember his name. He actually spoke here, I think it was back in April, here on a Sunday morning. Well, he has kind of spearheaded this initiative of gathering Christian leaders within the Ottawa area once a month. What is essentially for the purpose of prayer and building Christian unity within the nation's capital. And what I have kind of come away with is sort of a sense of, of wonder and marvel at the diversity within the body of Christ. As these 80 or so Christian leaders had gathered together with different backgrounds, different influences, different forms of expression, different personalities, different temperaments, but all with a common cause to lift up Christ and honor him. And as I was reflecting on this with the help of, of Tim Keller, when it comes to personalities and, and our natural temperaments, most, most people have a strong temperament. They are either introverted or extroverted. They may be sweet and kind, tender even, but not very bold. Whereas other people, they may be dynamic and assertive, but not very sensitive. Everyone has their temperament. 
And it often gets played out in good ways because God has placed that goodness in you. But our natural temperaments also have a dark side. Because if you are a kind, peacemaking type of person, tender-hearted, pretty sweet and kind, you may also be a person who tends to seek the approval of others. You may be too concerned about what other people think of you. And as a result, at points when it comes to maybe making a hard call, you won't do it. On the other hand, a person who tends to be bold and dynamic and people say, wow, what a, what a leader. They may be a little bit domineering and overpowering, a little shy on the grace quotient. And unless there is a supernatural transformative power that is welcomed and invited upon to be at work in your life and all types of people, we won't be becoming the kind of person who is refined and a whole person that God wants us to become. with Christ's character being shaped in us. Character that is revealed even in how we return shopping carts. God loves you just the way you are. But he does not want to leave you there. God wants you to become just like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for just you being a God of love, of grace, of patience. Wow. You, you invite us to be in relationship with you. You accept us just as, as we are. You welcome us into your opening arms, wrapping your arms around us. And so we thank you. We thank you just for, wow, that love that kind of even goes beyond what we can even kind of imagine, knowing that, you know, we've, we've all got a past, we've all got stuff, but Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you that you accept us, but we know that you don't want to just leave us there. Your plan is that you would refine us and mold us and shape us with the help of your spirit. And our partnering with you in that whole process, that we would come to reflect and be in character more and more like your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us. Help us that yeah, we need to engage in practices. We need to engage in disciplines. We need to win the battle daily of spending time with you 
in these various ways that we've talked about so that by your spirit and in communion with you that you can help us to grow in Christ-like character. Lord, to think that your plan A in a world that so desperately needs to have the right true picture of, of who you are and what you're like, you've chosen people like us to be your representatives, to be your ambassadors, to be walking the streets of Ottawa, to be reflecting the very character of yourself that others might take notice and say, I don't know what you got, but I want some of that. So Lord, we give you thanks, we give you praise. And we pray this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen.